the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by New Covenant Church, Humble. behaviors and addictions have long been a pandemic in our society. People are in bondage to alcohol, drugs, pornography, codependent relationships, and more. If you or a loved one is stuck in the cycle of shame, guilt, and continued destructive behavior, keep listening. God wants everyone to walk out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. Recovery Radio Houston with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon, Southeast Texas. This is Pastor John Allworth. So excited to be here with you in the KKHT studios live today. We, we're going to have a guest, Pastor Jerome Simon, but he's going to be with us next week. So I'm going to preach a message today primarily on thanks, because the truth of the matter is if we want to have be restored fully, uh, we have to give thanks to the Lord. There's a difference between, we're going to talk about this, people that are just get sober and people that are fully restored because God wants to call us all out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And he wants to restore us all. And, you know, we were talking, I was talking with Susan, an executive here at KKHT and Don, my producer, we were talking about how addiction is not just about alcohol and drugs. People are addicted to all kinds of things from pornography to addiction, to rage, to depression, to anxiety. You know, the enemy has is coming at us in so many different ways these days. And, uh, you know, we all are recovering from something. And the Bible, fortunately, God's given us his word, and the Bible is a book about recovery. So we're going to talk right now. Our, our foundation scripture tonight is going to be Romans 12, 1 and 2. And Paul writes there, you know, John Hagee said once that Paul could say more with fewer words than any man that's ever lived. And I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. So if we examine this carefully, it's really a powerful verse. You know, in the first 11 chapters of Romans, uh, Paul, you know, tries to settle a dispute between the Gentiles and the and the Jews that were involved in the new way, what was called the way at that point, the Christian church. And then he sets out his theology and then in from chapters 12 on, he tells us how to live uh, out the theology that he has preached. So in Romans 12, 1, we see, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right, so there's so much to grab onto, and particularly as it relates to recovery, because, uh, you know, only through the power of a relationship with Jesus Christ can we be truly fully restored. 
there are people out there that are sober, but are they restored? Do they have that peace that surpasses all understanding? Do they have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I feel for my brethren that, that don't understand. We talk in recovery about a higher power. And, of course, there's only one higher power, and his name is Jesus. Amen? All right, so I'm going to ask you tonight a couple of things. I'm going to ask you tonight, and this applies to all Christians, whether or not you're in recovery. Uh, again, we're all recovering from something but or, or just uh, trying to, to live a Christian lifestyle. Because we don't ask this question a lot. We, uh, you know, I hear the verse quoted all the time, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And, of course, the renewing of our minds comes from reading his word and from going into prayer and, and, and from spending time with him and going to church, being fed the word, reading your Bible, doing all these kinds of spiritual things. And did you know, as an aside, by the way, that they can now measure what's going on in your mind? They can see p- pictures of it. And that when you engage in spiritual activities, there are these little things called dendrites, which, which collect our neurons, which connect our neurons. And that when you engage in spiritual, in creative activities as a whole, but in spiritual activities are the most, that create the most positive connections, those dendrites. If you're engaged in sin, if you're engaged in, in negative things and negative thoughts and in pessimism and in depression and anxiety, the dendrites look like little stick figures. And they don't connect our neurons very well, and we don't think very well. If you're engaged in spiritual activities, those dendrites bloom. They bloom into beautiful-look trees looking. And, and so God made us as self-healing organisms. And when we worship him, it actually improves our brains. And do you know the part of the brain that's improved the most is the part of the brain that has to do with empathy, with caring for others, with serving others. So we talk about being our minds being transformed, and that's critical so that we can prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Because in addiction, so often we're, we're, we're bound up in our own will. You know, we want to do things our way, and our way is not very good. And so, and so when I went into rehab, the first thing they, you know, put into my mind was, look, you got to seek the will of God, not your will. Look where your will got you. But God's got a better plan for you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to restore you. So seek the perfect will. So the beginning part of this, Romans 12, 1, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you print, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Have you ever asked yourself that? What is your reasonable service to God? What is your reasonable service to God? And if he has restored you, if, you, if you're listening to this program and you're in recovery and, and you're sober now or, or, or you've got out of the bondage of addiction, whatever it is, and, and now you're sober and you're free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and you're free. I think that's it's such a great question to ask yourself. What is your reasonable service to God who set you free? Well, I'll tell you, I, I've divided the answer into three parts. One is we need to turn our thanksgiving into thanksgiving. We need to be thankful to God for all the blessings in our lives. And if you're honest with yourself and if you truly look back, you've got so much to be thankful for. We live in the most affluent time in the history of the world. We live in the most affluent country that's ever existed. Uh, Even the poorest among us have blessings that people in Africa and other third world nations can't even imagine. So we have so much to be thankful for. To begin with, he he breathed the the air into our lungs we have so much to be thankful for. And do you know, just like what I was talking about with improving our brains, if we live a thankful life, if we're thanking him all the time, 
It does positive things to us. It does positive things to our brain. It does positive things to our outlook. It does positive things in our lives. So one, we need to turn our thanksgiving into thanks living, where even when we're going through difficulties, we're thankful to God. Number two, we need to imitate Christ, and we need to serve, and we need to serve with humility. Jesus came down to this earth and, and lived a life as an example to us. And by the way, Jesus modeled Thanksgiving, and we'll get into that and everything he did. And he, he was just so humble. He was humble to the point of dying on the cross, the most excruciating death that you could possibly imagine. And number three, Jesus left with us with a command, and that's love one another. So let's talk a little bit more about this. You know, we all so often cry, fix it, Jesus, 911, I promise. If you get me out of this, I'll never make that mistake again. If you get me home, I'll never drive after drinking again. How many times have we prayed those kinds of prayers, 911, or, or I need a job. Can you open a door for me? We pray these prayers. Fix it, Jesus. I need you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, the driving drunk there is, but, but not with the fix it, Jesus. I need a job. Open a new door for me. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But how often do we turn around and say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you. Scripture commands us to worship God, to praise God, and to thank God. And when we do that, I guarantee you positive things are going to happen in your life. In Second, uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Paul said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In Psalm 118 in the Old Testament, we see, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And that's true. We have so much to be thankful for. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have our eternity to be thankful for. This, this life is just a whisper. It has ups and downs. People disappoint us, but God will never disappoint us. His promises are yes and amen. He will never, ever disappoint us. We have so much to be thankful for. And you know what? His, his, his grace never stops chasing you down. It's never too late to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at the thief on the cross who Jesus said, today I will see you in paradise. Look at Saul, who was persecuting Christians, going around, uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, going around and, and on the road to Damascus, was taking letters so that he could put more Christians into jail for worshiping Jesus Christ. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared before him and used him in such a powerful way. You know, he wrote 13 or 14 books in the, in the, in the New Testament, and he was just such so perfectly, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a very well-educated Jewish man. He was so perfectly positioned, but he was also a Roman citizen and, and it had exposure to the Gentiles. And God used him in such a powerful way. So if you're out there tonight and you're thinking, God can't use me, God can't forgive me, God doesn't love me, those are lies from the pit of hell. God can use anybody. Look, Moses was a murderer. The disciples were ordinary people. My goodness, my apologies to my IRS friends, but Matthew was a tax collector. God can use, can and does. The Bible is full of examples of imperfect people what God used. You know that it's actually harmful not to give him praise? If we look at Romans one twenty one, because although they knew God, and if you're in recovery or if you've been if you've been, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, you know God. They, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
like I was talking earlier, when we run away from God, it's not good for us. When we embrace God, we embrace worshiping him, it does powerful things to our body and to our spirit. In fact, in James 1, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, we see, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I'm going to go from here to the Open Door Mission, and there's going to be about 75 to 90 men from different weeks. It's a 110-bed facility there that are uh, the most addicted and homeless men in the city. And God is transforming lives through the work that's being done in the Open Door Mission. And those men, when they're overcomers, do you know that 51% of the staff at the Open Door Mission are graduates of that program? They go through a seven-month program where they learn to read if they don't know how, and some don't. They learn to use a computer. They learn to put a resume together. They don't have their GED. They get it. They get medical benefits, dental benefits. They have counseling. They go through smart recovery, 12-step program, but every day they start in church. The number one principle there is Jesus saves. And at the end of that program, if they're faithful and they go all the way through, they get a job and a place to live. 51% of the, of the people that run the program are, are graduates of the program. But those men, because what they've been through, that they've been on the streets, that they've been addicted to heroin, that they've been addicted to opiates, that they've been alcoholics, they can talk to people that other people can't talk to. If you've never experienced those things, God puts us through things for a reason, and he can turn around whatever the devil has tried to use to destroy us. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that they can live life and live it abundantly. Whatever they've gone through, God will and can use it if we only let him. In recovery, we say, without God, I can't. Without me, God won't. God can use anything. We talk about his grace. We all have. If if we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, in 2 Corinthians nine fifteen, Paul said, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. None of us deserve it, but all of us have it. So we see examples of thanks throughout the Old and New Testament. In Leviticus 7, peace offerings of thanksgiving. In 2 Daniel 22, we see David giving thanks to the Lord for delivering him from his enemies after he defeated the Philistines. In 1 Kings chapter 8, we see Solomon giving sacrificial offering of thanks for dedicating the temple. And Jesus, as I said earlier, modeled thanksgiving. He expressed thanks to God throughout the New Testament. He, he, he even thanked God for watching over all of creation, even the little sparrows who we think could be of little value in the wildflowers. But in Matthew six twenty six through 30, he thanked God for that. He thanked God for providing us food, for listening to him, for the opportunity to minister to others. We have so many things to be thankful for. And if we will have that thankful attitude, I promise you, our lives will change. And you know, all we got to do is look at the children of Israel wandering around the wilderness, complaining about everything. <laughs> they weren't brought out of Egypt, out of captivity. But were they thankful? No. Let's look at another example. In Luke chapter 17, we have 10 lepers. Jesus is on his way passing through Samaria and Galilee on his way to, to uh, Jerusalem. He just happens to, it's an unnamed village, and he happens across these 10 lepers, and so many of us don't seize the opportunity that these lepers seized, and they said, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us, and Jesus operated with compassion throughout the Old Testament, I mean New Testament, he operated with compassion, and so Jesus, you know, when God speaks, things happen. God spoke this world into existence, 
And Jesus just said to them, go show themselves to the priest. He didn't say jump up and down, turn around three times, roll around the dirt, dump yourself in the Jordan. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, the Bible tells us, as they went, they were cleansed. As they were on their way, their boils were disappearing. Uh, Who is this man, they must have said, this Jesus? They'd heard about him. They'd heard about the miracles, and here they were experiencing it. I can promise you, working in the recovery field, the miracles of Jesus are still happening every single day across this world. Look at Nikki Cruz, who was ministered to by David Wilkerson, a gang member on the streets of of New York, uh, delivered from heroin on the spot, and today still preaching across the world. Teen Challenge came out of that. I can go on and on and on. We see it at the Open Door Mission. There were some men that graduated, 10 of them, last month. Miracles, miracles. But one of them, only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, we read in Luke seventeen fifteen through 16, he returned, and with a loud voice, he glorified God and fell down on his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. There's significance in that that we don't have time to get into, but he was a Samaritan. Only one saw it, only one appreciated, only truly appreciated the goodness of God. I'd say that's probably par for the course. Uh, ten of us that have wonderful, miracle-like things happen to us. God delivers us. How many of us, we say, fix it, Jesus, all the time, but how many of us say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you. You know, the Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I I, I like the New King James Version. Sometimes I'll go into the NIV, but every once in a while we'll see something in one of the other versions. It's really cool. The Message Bible says the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus is in your neighborhood right now. Are you calling out to him? Are you saying, Lord, have mercy on me? I'm saying, Lord, I need your help to be delivered from this bondage. Lord, I know that you can do it. I know that you can deliver me from this addiction that I have. I know that you can get me a new job. I know that you can have, help me to stop watching this pornography. I know that you can do it. And are you giving him thanks for everything that he's done in your life? Give him thanks. We all have so much to be thankful for as Christians. What a good and wonderful God. The, the, where God delivered you from a wreck with an 18-wheeler, things you don't even know about that he saved you from, where he restored your marriage, where he brought the prodigal child home, where he blessed you with a new job, where he healed you from illness, what he's doing to your brain right now if you're listening to this program because you're praising him and worshiping him. He's such a good God. Second Samuel six fourteen. David danced before the Lord with all his might. If we'll have that thankful spirit, we should dance before the Lord at all times. But what keeps us from thanksgiving? Bitterness, disappointment, unforgiveness, revenge, perceived failure, pride, selfishness, dishonesty, deception, secret lives, insecurity, false guilt, and fear. Praise God, and he'll deliver you from all those things. That's not how God wants us to live. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of love. God rewards us for his obedience, us for our obedience. When we worship him, it is neuroscientifically proven that this has a physical reality on your brain and your body. Your attitude literally determines the quality of your life. This is called epigenetics. But spiritually, we see it all the way back. The You know, science... It can be pretty prideful, but the truth of the matter is science is just now catching up with the Bible. We see it in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. I beseech you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
to say, what is your reasonable service to God? And one of them is to be thankful to God. I'm running out of time, but we're going to get into the second one. Jesus came to serve. Jesus said, follow me, as he collected the disciples. And he said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We're commanded in the Bible to be Christ-like. First John 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him ought himself ought to walk just as he walked. Jesus walked as a servant. Paul said, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Jesus said in Mark ten forty five, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Is that extraordinary? What a good God we serve. He came down on the earth, took on our flesh, took on a sacrifice and could have called angels or army of angels at any point to help him and assist him. But instead he came to be a servant. He washed the disciples feet. Luke nineteen ten, one of my very favorite scriptures in the Bible says, for the son of man has come to seek and save that was which was lost. If you're lost right now, if you're struggling right now, if you don't know where you're going in life, Jesus Christ has a plan for you. You know, the Bible actually calls us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, he calls us God's co-workers. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1, Paul uses the same expression. We're Christ ambassadors on earth. That's your purpose in this life. Your purpose is to worship him, to be thankful for him, and to serve other people and to love one another. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food, thirsty, and you gave me drink, stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And Jesus says, And the king will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. We're called to serve one another, to love one another. You know, the apostle John went to Ephesus and started churches across, uh, along with Paul, across Asia until he was banished to the island of Patmos. But when he came back, he was he lived the longest life of any of the apostles. He lived in his 90s, and he would come into the church at Ephesus, and they'd say, oh, my goodness, the apostle John is here. The apostle John is here. Can you imagine? I mean, we'd freak out if Jose Altuve walked in, but but can you imagine the apostle John walking into your church? And they'd they'd call him up to the front, and they'd say, Tell us something. Tell us something about Jesus. Tell us something. And he would say three words. Love one another. Jesus says, that's how you'll know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. And if we're going to bring people into the kingdom of God, if we're going to do what Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that was which was lost, we need to stop bickering with each other. We need to stop getting on Facebook and criticizing people. We need to stop being angry. We need to stop being prideful. We need to be servants, just like Jesus Christ was. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be thankful. We're called to serve, and we're called to love one another. That is our reasonable service to God. And I know if you're listening out there, God's either done wonderful things for you. Well, he has. Maybe you've forgotten them, but he wants to do wonderful things for you in the future. Jesus said, follow me. And that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we're supposed to be gracious in our conversation. We're supposed to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Again, John thirteen fifty five. by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And it's not just loving those that's easy to love. It's loving the least of these, the outcast, the disabled, the foreigner, the addicted, the needy, the sinner. Start helping those kinds of people. It'll change your life. I guarantee you. And if you want to come to a good church where we practice 
do our best anyway. We're not perfect, but do our best to practice these principles in, in our daily lives. Join us at New Covenant Church in Humble, Texas, 901 Wilson Road. Uh, we'd love to meet you. And if you've got somebody out there that, that needs help, that is uh, addicted, is uh, having problems, uh, call me or text me, 832-475-8642. It's, it's, it's what we do is, is we help people find help. You know, there are all kinds of people. That's what this show is about. We'll have a guest again next week. People out there doing uh, kingdom work. Um, are you saying we only have 20 seconds? Okay. Cause it says a minute. Okay. It stopped. Anyway, it's a blessing to be with you every Wednesday. Uh, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works that he, these will do because I go to my father, go out there and do greater works. We love you at new covenant church, but more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Good night and amen. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.